I think most of us hit a point where we stop and we question whether or not this is going to work, whether or not this is what we're supposed to be doing, whether or not we're any good. Success is right after that. As soon as you feel like one more step and you're going to die, just make sure you take two. Welcome to Making Conversation with me, Grant Bryden, a podcast about music, creativity and careers. For this series, I've sat down with a range of artists and creative professionals in order to learn about how their unique experiences and perspectives can help us in our own creative and business practices. For this episode, I spoke to R&B duo Division. Comprised of singer Daniel Daly and producer 1985, the Toronto natives have released a pair of cult classic albums, September 5th and Morning After, via Drake's OVO Sound. After touring relentlessly for the past few years, the release of their third album is finally drawing closer. We met up at their label's London offices at the end of last year, while they were putting the finishing touches to the record for a rare in-depth conversation. Across 40 minutes, they talk about their earliest experiences making music, how they first began working together, why they've taken their time in revealing more about Division over the years, and how they've had to learn to dedicate time for self-care. If you could just introduce yourselves, your role in Division to start with. What's up, I'm 1985, I'm the producer, do all the music. And I'm Daniel Daly, I'm the singer and songwriter of Division. So to start with, Daniel, what was the first music that you remember feeling a connection to? Michael Jackson, when I was when I was young, yeah, for sure. I remember, I remember feeling like, I I swear he was when I was growing up, just because of how much I was hearing it around the house. Like I didn't realize it was an artist from how many years before me. Yeah, I definitely remember that, like the Thriller album and Bad album and all that stuff like that. My mom playing that and that being something that just like grabbed me. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember what the first music was that you? brought into the house from outside that was your that felt like your music rather than your parents probably some rap they wouldn't have wanted me to listen to <laughs> i wouldn't remember who but I, I definitely know that they definitely wouldn't have wanted what i was listening to at the time right. you know because I, I actually didn't start getting music till later on but when i did it yeah it all had parental discretion <laughs> advisory uh, all over it for sure 85, what was the first music that you felt a connection to? I don't know if there was anything specific. I just remember my parents always had gospel playing in the house. I don't know if I would say I've connected to gospel, but I realized I was picking up on so many things about the music that I I didn't really pay attention to. And then later on, when I wanted to uh, teach myself how to play guitar, I didn't realize that I had already like been so focused on different things in music. So what music did you first bring home and feel like was your music? Uh, right around the same time, I remember specifically bringing home Notorious B.I.G.'s Life After Death. And my mom freaked out. <laughs> and I think I had uh, a Nirvana album. It was right around the same time. So Biggie and Nirvana. What attracted you to those two? B.I.G., I think it was just the lyrics and the production. And then Nirvana was because those were probably the first songs I heard that made me want to play 
like play guitar with them and Jimi hendrix because i know then you went down that route first right like yeah. bands well it seemed way easier for me to be a guitar player than a rapper why i don't know maybe it's just the the way things were at that time it felt like it would be easier to just start a band with my friends than it would be to say i'm gonna become a rapper do you think it had anything to do with toronto at the time because i guess also there was like bands coming out of canada but not as many rappers at the time probably well up until a few years ago rapping didn't really seem like a way out in toronto it yeah. just never really seems it didn't yeah it didn't seem like that was something that guys like us would be successful at yeah because I, I remember going to toronto before drake the music was very local right yeah so did you find that you look to the states for rap oh for sure i i feel like everybody i knew grew up looking at new york rap right you know that was our coast you know everybody yeah. else was i feel like at those times you kind of were supposed to pick your territory right so you were really into new york or really into down south or really into what was happening on the west coast and i feel like everybody i knew was just like super heavy into whatever was happening in new york did you get into stuff like cardinal official or was that not a little a little i won't i won't say that there was absolutely no rap yeah but even with cardinal chocolate socrates some of those guys they were pioneers but it still didn't seem like something that the average person in toronto could actually do or achieve you can be a listener of music but some people then feel driven to create as well what made you want to do that i always was way more creative than i knew what to do with it so that was one of the areas that i just kind of fell into it and just kept going with it yeah daniel what what was your journey into making music funny you're just saying all this my journey into making music started with rap i remember my first time ever trying to create was trying to write a rap song in my head you know and thinking like am i allowed to do this am i allowed to do that you know like does this i i, I just felt like there was rules to it that i didn't understand i mean later on all every rule i thought got broken and rap just kept you know changing and stuff like that but um yeah i i definitely came in through the hip-hop way as far as creatively in my mind yeah but when you started you were doing it in your head not trying to write down on a pad or anything like that i i carried that into I, into the albums that we made with division like i mean a lot of people don't know that but like there's not a single song on either of those albums that i wrote down on paper you know i i at one point i started to write i think maybe maybe in high school i started writing a little bit on paper and then i don't know i guess i was trying to memorize song i always had a good memory for music and then it just turned into like i'm making stuff so fast and i'm not trying to run around and find something where i can type it into my phone or you know write it down somewhere so it just became like way easier for me to just memorize it because i already technically had it memorized because i was yeah. writing it in my head so yeah I, you know uh for both of those albums that we've we, we've done this one even included I, I haven't written anything down really back then when you were like coming up with these songs in your head and writing in your head mm -hmm. at what point did you actually commit it to a recording ah uh, my first time recording actually it's a funny story that nobody really knows my first time ever recording anything was at aisha curry's house her and her dad both went to my family's church and her dad had a studio in his house and i guess my mom knew like 
he wants to do this and i guess she had, had asked him like would you do me a favor and like just record him once you know just see what it's like so my mom brought me there and uh yeah i recorded like a little i guess a demo and or i don't know if a demo in my head it was a demo yeah <laughs> um or whatever you want to call it but yeah i I recorded something and I'm sure it was hot garbage. I don't know. It felt like an accomplishment. Felt like I recorded something. I wish I could find that. And yeah. what was it? A rap? Or? No, uh, that was that. Okay. I, I was. I started. I was singing. I tried to sing. Right. You know. Uh, yeah. Probably wasn't that great, but yeah, it turned out okay. I know that you met through mutual friends and stuff, but I wondered what stage you both were at when you met. Like, what were you and doing were individually? Music, musically. Yeah nothing on a professional level you know he was making beats on his own i was had guys that i rapped with i had people some people that knew i could sing but none of us were like out there recording and releasing music or anything like that at that point you know so by the time the first thing ever happened for 85 we had already been friends and already had been worked worked together and you know so his first accomplishments were like a win for me at the same time because yeah. i'm i'm watching my my boy and my favorite producer like get on you know with like the biggest artist in the world i know that like officially the first division track that you made was september 5th but was there stuff before that was there failed experiments and yeah, things oh, that? yeah oh yeah 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 the first the reason why september 5th was the first division track is because it was the first song that we both felt so probably uniquely connected to there was just something in it that was like these words and this perspective can't come from anybody else this is like this is me like this is like me that you're hearing that and then production wise it was like i didn't hear anything like that at the time it was to, to, to take what he did and to turn that into like a, a some type of futuristic r&b vibe out of it it just felt very unique to us and very like against the grain like I said, at that time, he was already working with Drake. That was the first time I was ever like, do not send this to Drake. <laughs> Don't send it to anybody. Don't show this anywhere. I need this. But before that, yeah, we definitely had, had made music and people had definitely been like, yo, whenever you guys make a song, like, I don't know what it is, but you guys need to, you know, just make sure you keep doing that because there's something here. There's something special here. There's something different here. You know, people had, had, had told us that for a while. How, how did you first come to collaborate? Because I know you said that you were sending him rap beats and stuff. I'm trying to think how we actually really started. I think I I made a CD full of just like beats that I was making for rappers. And then um, he started writing some songs to it. And I had this uh, microphone set up in a bathroom. <laughs> and he came by and we recorded some songs. And after hearing those songs we both started to realize that the other one was i think even better than we originally thought and from there we start to develop from more just like taking beats and random lyrics and melodies and actually crafting them together whereas before i would just like make a loop send it to him he would just come in and record like a minute or something and then we actually turned it into real songs at what point and why did you think it was important to commit to being a group rather than being like Daniel Daly, the solo artist, with production from A5? A lot of that came from the people around us. The response we would get from a lot of people was that what we were doing together as a group unofficially 
was so unique compared to everything everybody else was doing, especially in the R&B category at that time. There wasn't really much that sounded like what we're doing now. I feel like now it's way more common, but sonically we were just so far left from where everything else was going that even when we would send stuff to people and we would pitch songs or ideas, people would just be blown away like, who is this? What is this? Like, where, where do I find more? And most of the time we would have no answer for them because it was just these, these ideas that we just did for the fun of it. Cause we loved it. With the whole division thing and being a group, I think that it was like important for people to know that his involvement isn't just some guy that sends me beats, you know? I, and that's why it's, it's a group because it's like literally the input the over the overview the you know even the co-writing at times just his involvement in in making these ideas these turn into like moments you know turn into real like stories and real um real songs it's like this is beyond just he sent me a beat and i wrote it even if that was the case for that particular song you know where he sent me a beat and i wrote it and recorded it. it's like what we put into the finishing touches what we put into weaving every part every beat and melody and thing together it's just like it's a 50 50 venture every time you know as far as our input into the song you know there's never a song where it's just like somebody did way less than the other one you know so i never wanted that to get overlooked on that point, Daniel was saying earlier that he never writes lyrics down. I used to songwrite a lot more, but now, probably because I've gotten so comfortable working with him, I've gotten a little bit lazy where I'll just literally write down phrases, half a sentence, a word, a title, knowing that I can just shoot it off to him and then he'll develop it out. Whereas before, I would have to write a full song. Now I'm just like, I like this line. I like that little piece here. I like this phrase. I'll, I'll just tell him later. <laughs> you know i know that you've spoken about the name division being about like setting yourselves apart from the pack i wondered why it's important to do something different at the time there wasn't really a choice for us because we started being so different from everything that we sort of felt like the only way for us to go forward was to claim that fully to just own that as much as possible. We're so different that we're going to come in as the guys that are different from everybody else. We're not going to be the guys that are different, but we're trying to be like you. And I think adopting that as part of everything we do is why every time we release something, we're so critical of it because we're always thinking, was that different enough? Did we push the bar enough? Have we challenged ourselves have we challenged our fans enough you know and even with this album i think you'll hear that a lot more than even say the last album because the last album is i think the first time that we actually accepted ourselves as division the first album we didn't make as division the first album we made and then said okay we'll be division now so now this is the first time that we're actually taking that role and then saying as division where do we go who do you make music for? Besides, I guess, our emotional ties to whatever song it might be, I think we're making music for for the forever. Like, we're just trying to make music that we think is 
something worth putting into the universe for eternity. You know, we're not trying to just make a song that pops right now and, and disappears. So we're, we're, every song we make is like one more swing at our legacy is kind of how we look at it. But each song individually, if you want to get into that, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's different situations. We're making records. And on, on the Sum Cup and album, it's like it's there's different topics, there's different moods. Some stuff is you know personal. Some stuff is stuff where it's like even you know our our family members are gonna you know have their take on it. And some of it's for you know situations, situationships, relationships, things that have come 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 and gone. But I think overall, we're just trying to make music that lasts more so than anything. I think the way that you've paced the Division Project over the years has been really important to it obviously when you came out it was just the symbol and then you've kind of slowly revealed more as you've gone on i wondered why you felt like it was necessary to do that why hold things back at first and then why sort of slowly reveal stuff as you go at first it felt most natural for everybody else to figure out division at the same time we were figuring out division so it would have been hard for us to give you so much because, as we're saying, we didn't go into that thinking we were making a Division album. We were just making what we loved. And then around the end of that process, we're like, hey, we should put this out as an album. And I think using that type of transparency with our fans, it was easiest for us to say, let's just lead with the music. Because there wasn't this full other story. There was no, it was just about the music. You know, it was just about like, the symbol or what the words represented and the second album we were able to go a little bit deeper and then now this is the first time where we've really been able to own being division what does that mean who are who are we to our fans you know who are our fans to us and what do we want them to take from this you know what's what's that identity before there wasn't necessarily as much an identity as there was an idea the idea of division now you see it's two people and these are what we actually look like and what our personal voice is in that group with the new stuff you definitely are more present like in the new video with future obviously you're more present i feel like than ever before why is why is this the time once again i think it's just our natural progression it's not as much saying this is the time as us just being comfortable in what it is it's not a um it's not really a necessary difference as opposed to just being um more in the moment of what this is and at that time we didn't really know the face of division the way we do now because the face of division at that time for us was just the music we were just making music and other people were kind of responding to it and reacting to it and saying, you guys got to put this out. You got to, you got to do something with it. And we were like, oh, okay, <laughs> sure. Yeah, let's go for it. Now we've owned it. Now we're like, yes, we are division. We do have to make our third album. We do have to go back out on the road and tour and all of the things that you would expect from your favorite group. Daniel, I interviewed Jessie Reyes a couple of years ago and she talked about how you mentored her through the Remix Project in Toronto. And I just wondered what your role was there. It's almost like peer tutoring kind of idea is what it was. You know, they bring in people that are, you know, within the same age groups, within the same vibe, come from the same experiences and they, that are just active in whatever field it might be. So, you know, if I'm a active photographer i might help some people that are 
just like me that are just trying to start that are getting a late start or have some disadvantages or coming from you know just a harder road so I was that for the recording you know I was in there just like you know yeah I had written a couple songs for some artists that had done things and I had been in the 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 business as far as you know just trying to get on as artist and I got invited to take that role on at, at the remix project in Toronto so I, I did that and uh yeah Jesse came in and we met and we formed this brother sister kind of relationship pretty pretty quickly there you know we were always the last ones to leave you know I'd be trying to get out of there at five hours past the time I'm supposed to and then hear a noise in another room and it's Jessie like she's in there hiding you know because she knows she was already supposed to be gone and we stay back we talk we bond we we kick it we talk music we talk life yeah I'm super proud of her man she's she's out there killing why was it important for you to want to do that role and to help others honestly it was one of those things where it was like it kept me in a studio <laughs> a lot longer it kept me around the kinds of people I want to be around you know I ended up learning I feel like I ended up learning more than I could even teach or lend advice to because I was just around a bunch of talented artists that were just in there and hungry and passionate and it was just like fuel in my in my own tank. I, I find a lot by you, you end up receiving way more when you give and I, I was there just trying to give what I could and I ended up leaving with September 5th, funny enough. <laughs> What advice would you give to aspiring songwriters who are listening to this? There's going to be a point where you are at your wit's end, most likely. I think most of us hit a point where we stop and we question whether or not this is going to work, whether or not this is what we're supposed to be doing, whether or not we're any good. Success is right after that, right after that point. That, that that's the one door you got to push through and once you get through that is when it happens so don't give up stay focused and as soon as you feel like one more step and you're gonna die just make sure you take two the thing that she really said that you stressed to her was how to start a song starting with the a strong line opening that was the thing she said she really took from you yeah, we we we'd always talk back and forth about how to like grab attention, keep attention, and then keep them wanting more, you know. And the idea behind that was just something that I actually learned when me in '85, which wasn't that long before that, met Forty. He was just one of those people that was like, "Yo, trim the fat, you know, cut away anything that isn't the point and isn't what you actually." are here to to give you know that part that everybody loves give it to them again that part that you know you you people start to lose a little bit of attention just take it out you know and i would i would try and instill that in her and you know now she's just she's a monster you know not not because of me she's been a monster yeah. regardless but i mean you know she's she writes very gripping music she makes very captivating art and you know it's it's dope to say that you know we we have the relationship that we do how important do you think community has been to the success of division and the creative community in toronto it's everything right now everybody is connected because of this phenomena that we call drake <laughs> you know he he really helped bring everybody in the city to a place where we felt like wait we can we can do this this, this happens it's not some fictitious tale we've heard from the the u.s anymore you know it's now like 
we can do it and Toronto is now one of those like music hub cities, those those places where it's like people are going there to get vibes. People are coming here to get creative. You say you're from Toronto and people are like, oh, like they stop and they listen now. You know, before that, we didn't know. We we, all we'd ever seen was what was happening across the border. So um, the community is, is crazy. The energy in this city is crazy. I think everyone's just like full throttle. Obviously, on the new material as well, you're starting to bring collaborators into Division for the first time. How has that process been? As far as features, this is the first time we've worked with other people featuring on our songs. We've always had collaborators that we've worked with, whether it be other producers or people that have helped us with just random ideas. It can be a loop. It can be a friend of ours that's in the studio that says something. I'm like, hey, can you go and record that for me? (laughs) You know, just like whatever sparks the idea or or keeps the the vibe going at the time and i think this is the first time where once again we felt comfortable in what we were doing to say all right let's bring in some of our friends and let's feature some of them on the songs where the first album the first album was made before we realized we were making an album the second album we were trying to figure out okay how do we continue what we started now we've i feel like we really know what we're doing as far as making albums and how to paint the picture and and tell the whole story so it's a lot easier for us to bring in some of those friends now in a time where technology is making it more and more accessible to be a producer and there's so many people making beats out there how do you set yourself apart ah it's a good question i don't know sometimes i don't i don't know what other people hear in my music that sets me apart but i always i always do find that people kind of say my style is always different and it's, that's not always intentional sometimes it's very intentional you know we were having a conversation about samples the other day and I, I'm like one of the first guys to sample stuff but even in that because I feel like certain things have been done so much lately I'm sort of shying away from the way certain things are being sampled and I think that's something I do uh, subconsciously anytime I feel like things feel a little redundant or expected i kind of tend to go the opposite direction and i i guess i stand out because of it i think you've both kind of hinted at this throughout the conversation but i wondered how the creative process has evolved since the first album or even since the second album yeah working with other people this time around is probably the only thing that really changed you know we brought in different artists we've we've talked to with different people about their ideas and their views and we've just kind of taken in a little bit more of the world and our environment but aside from that we it always boils down to the same thing it's me and him locking up in the studio and talking (laughs) to be honest i know that you've spoken about making music that's more lifestyle this time around that's like everyday music what made you want to do that once the artist starts stops growing to me, it just gets it, it gets boring. It gets you know redundant. You're, you're you're listening to the same thing, and it's like I, I never want that to happen. I ne- I don't want a plateau. I know we're nowhere close to our plateau because I know the records that we've made that no one's even heard of that are on completely different styles and temples and genres than anyone's even heard us do yet as division. I just don't ever want to get complacent. I want to stick to what we came in as, which is 
the people that are breaking rules, the guys that are defying what what's going on, the guys that are are shocking you and you know gripping you with some some original shit. So to me, it's like the moment we st- we stop pushing and stop going forward is the moment you might as well just stop. How do you think that you managed to make music that is like so personal? I like the way that you do, but resonates so much with other people. Me personally, I think that I do that well because of 19. I will see the song in my head. I might write the whole song in my head and then show it to him. And he helps bring that perspective of, okay, I know what you're saying because I know you're in your, your, this mode right now and this is what you said. But if you say this like this, or if you change this thing like this, people are gonna get it way more. Or if you, you know, bring this part back or make this part the hook instead of this. And you know, just the executive production element and executive just oversight of, you know, how somebody else outside of myself and my own crazy thoughts is gonna take in what I'm saying, I think is what helps us get that across once people press play when i first heard the music i liked it but i think the time that i really became a fan was at lovebox when i saw the live performance i wondered if you could talk a little bit about how you came up with the live setup because it's not your average dj singer Mm -hmm. setup once again we're trying to we knew we wanted to do something different and originally it was this idea of you know, we had this we had this album where it had a, you know these these moments where they had like choirs and stuff like that in it, and so we we took background singers and women that we knew could sing probably fifty times better than me, you know, and put them in choir gowns and have them singing bump and grind records. We just knew that that was gonna like get this point across. So I think that the idea of us bringing live vocals back being someone that could champion that being someone that isn't afraid to you know step on the stage and let people actually hear them and not hear the the auto tune or hear the track that's just playing all the vocals or whatever it is i think that's what resonated with people they they go there and they're like okay this guy's going up there and is you know he's letting it all out on the stage he's like burying it all out plus i think the way that we set up our 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 tracks our our set list, how one song will weave into another and you're getting a song from right now mixed in with a classic vibe from something else that you grew up listening to and you know, just how we set it up I think is what sets us apart. But to be honest, I'm most excited about what we're about to do, which is bring in the band and bring in bigger production and be able to execute bigger ideas because one, I think we're making bigger music, but two, I think we finally have the right amount of attention that it's like, okay, cool, let's Let's push that button now. I thought at the festival as well, particularly in that kind of setting, 85's doing the sound, which I think really set it apart because a lot of the sound at the rest of the festival wasn't great. And suddenly when you guys are on, it's like a totally different story. But a lot of producers, I feel like, would want to be on the stage. They would want to be seen, whereas you guys are always putting the music first. I always thought it was really weird that people would talk about acts as like, oh, they're a great live act or they're a better studio musician. Because to me... I feel like the artists we grew up loving were great at both. Like Michael Jackson was great in the studio and live. And so you would go to a show of his expecting 
to see both of those. Like you go to a Beyonce show expecting it to be great because you also know she's great in the studio. And there was this weird disconnect, I think, over the last few years where artists are being kind of coined like studio artists or live acts, but we should be both. And that's why I made such a big point with all of our shows to produce them out like our albums. You know, they should have the same level of detail as the album would you know and that goes down to everything the way the vocals sound the way the beats hit the way the the bass sounds in the venue and one of those sacrifices is it's not easy to do that from the stage i've tried to do it a couple times and depending on the setting there are times where i am on stage or i'll, I'll be on stage playing guitar or, or playing an instrument or something but for me i always feel more comfortable knowing that he's going to sound the best and the audience is going to be able to take the most from him and from the overall set. So I just fall back. I'd rather be behind the boards and make sure it sounds good. Does getting to perform live change the way that you write and the way that you make music? Yeah, I'd say so. I'd say last album, we we noticed a little bit of a change in the way we were doing things. And I think this album for sure, we noticed a change in um i think the biggest change is the clarity in the ideas as far as like the lyrics because there's certain songs we've had before where when you can listen to them in the headphones you'll enjoy it but it's not the same as a fan because you don't you can't like engage with it the same and this time around i think we try to i guess cut down on those live moments where the fans didn't didn't get to really like um participate i guess because i noticed on the last album there were certain songs where you can tell that the fans want to be more involved but they can't do anything until the chorus comes in because that's the part that they can sing along to but the other parts are kind of just like they're just like going with it and then the chorus comes in everybody sings why not everybody's what like why not have everybody sing from the beginning of the song and that's I think one of the biggest differences we made since the project started you've spent so much time on the road I wondered what that does to you like how exhausting is that and how do you overcome that and be able to create so blessing and a curse you end up taking a lot of things from the road a lot of things that inspire where the music is at and but you also end up I guess gaining a lot of baggage from the road too you know a lot of stuff that makes you not want to go and do music or not want to be in the studio or kind of take a break from just this routine that you get in you know we were in we were in tour mode for almost two years and that's two years of waking up in hotels two years of not sure what time zone you're in two years of your family being mad that you're never home and then somebody says all right we need the album we were kind of just like ah we just need some time but you also don't have that time so you start to balance all of those things and figure out how do we how do we take those stresses of the road and put them into the album you know and express that and express what we've learned or become over the past couple years as division do you manage to make music while you're on the road or do you wait until you're back a bit of both i don't think we i don't think either of us made as much music as we would have wanted to over right. the last two years and that wasn't intentional i think it was just because it was such a blur it, w it just kind of happened so quick and we went from tour to tour to tour to tour 
and then it's all said and done you're like whoa you know it like it's literally a couple years later and we need to put an album out. <laughs> yeah did you manage to get some time to put into the album away from the road this year and just focus on recording yeah we did some at home we did go to a few different locations and do that yeah i think this is the first time in the last few years even with the morning after album a lot of that album was sort of done when we were in tour mode like we were on tour with drake we were in europe and we were recording in multiple different cities sometimes for the same song you know so you always kind of feel a little bit displaced but i think we've locked in a little bit more this time this time around you've built a real cult fan base around division and it's one of those things where people who love it really love it whenever a song drops i'm sending it to people people are sending it to me people are wanting to talk about it how do you cultivate a fan base like that why do you think that that's happened around your music i think a lot of it has to do with the way we were originally released it was soundcloud ovo sound radio and it wasn't as streaming based or streaming service based as it is now because it, it did kind of feel like oh this is my favorite band that you've never heard of so let me put you on and there was a lot more passion than maybe it coming on a playlist and you don't really check out who the artist is you had to know who division was you had to have known those first two or three songs to then pass that on to somebody where a lot of a lot of the music we take in now is through playlists or places where I might not have personally searched that music out, but I hear it somewhere. Where before, even if you heard one Division song, you had to go and look for the rest of them or you had to go and find more. So there's so much more connection to you and that artist. Your logo as well has been tattooed on people. It's People really connect to the merch and stuff like that. How does it feel when you see it being worn by people or tattooed onto people? the tats are always crazy i <laughs> i i i love that i love i love knowing that because that's that that's what we wanted and not to say we wanted people to tattoo it on it but we wanted division to be inclusive and not exclusive we wanted people to feel like i see life the way that they're seeing it i want to move to my own drum i want to move on my own accord i don't want to listen to what anybody else is doing if, ever, if all my friends are at the club i might just want to be at home and when they're at home, I might just want to be in Hawaii, wherever it is, you know, just the people that feel like that. Um, individuals at the end of the day, not just part of the the mass blur of one unison mind that everyone's on, you know. So I love when people have taken it for what we wanted it, which is a movement. You know, we wanted division to always be a movement. It's more about like I move like that. I want to move like that. So people that do that, it's always a head nod to us. and like, yo, you, you, do, you did the right thing and you guys are doing the right thing. What are you most proud of about what you've achieved in your career so far? My most proud moments happen on stage. I don't know if anybody will ever be able to describe what it's like to pour your, your mind, body, and soul into a record and see that on the faces of how many couple thousands of people in front of you you know like to know that they f felt it they got it they understood it they're singing it back at you there's tears in their eyes there's like that that 
exchange of energy i don't know if i don't know if that can be described i don't know if any of these artists of these legendary artists ever found a way of putting that into words properly but whatever that feeling is to me is it's everything it's worth more than the money it's worth more than quote unquote fame any of that you know it's 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 legacy shit it, at the end of the day what's been the most difficult thing that you've had to overcome is division finding ways and time to really self-maintain it's 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 more than just uh, a day off it's more about like what's keeping you happy what's important to you at the end of the day because let's pretend tomorrow god forbid for some reason division isn't the thing anymore and now you're just a guy what's important to you as you know as daniel as paul whatever it is you know it's just like maintaining that hierarchy of prioritizing happiness and prioritizing like the ways and things that get you that i think has been one the first problem that i realized and then the first thing i said i got i got to figure this out perfect and lastly what does success look like to you exactly that success to me is a word that is like you can swap out and just put happiness aside that and that's not money that's not anything like that i've definitely noticed that it's it's going to be living the life you want with the people you want thank you for listening to making conversation with grant bryden featuring division if you like this episode then please be sure to rate comment and subscribe wherever you're listening to podcasts you can find division at dvsn daniel daly at working on my karma and 1985 at 19 the word 85 the number on socials you can find me on social media at grant bryden division's new single amuse is out now